Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Music In My Life with me, Laura Wright. Today I'm joined by a friend of mine and an incredibly accomplished sports presenter and someone who I'm actually hugely in awe of just as a person. She's a new mum like me too. It's the wonderful Hayley McQueen. Hayley is a lead anchor on Sky Sports as well as the presenter of the Scottish Premiership and Scottish Cup. She's also an awards presenter and regularly hosts corporate events amongst many, many other things, as well as an award-winning podcast. Now, football has always been in Hayley's blood and a huge part of her life. She's the daughter of former Scotland footballer and Sky Sports pundit Gordon McQueen. That was very kind. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. You were in the same boat together now, aren't we, with this whole new thing that we're going through with, with little girls in lockdown, which is another whole world in itself isn't it I know well actually I should say yeah of course how are things going in that respect like how have you found the past goodness few months now it's been such a long time since things have changed and you know how have you found life how have you settled into obviously being at home have you been working from home how's it all been going yeah probably a bit the same as you you know because um I mean my little one's eight months now but she was nearly five months, four months, five months when we went into lockdown. My parents haven't seen her since she was four months, which is the worst. They're in the northeast, so I can't just pop to their driveway and say hi or head to the back of the garden. So that's been that's been the most difficult thing. Um, but I was just starting to get out and about and being a bit more brave about leaving the house and getting on public transport with her and figuring how to use the pram when I'm out and just the stupid little things that you just take completely for granted you see a mum out with the pram and she's got all her stuff with her and you just think you don't think anything of it whereas it's it's quite stressful to get all this stuff together to make sure that when you're out for the day you don't you don't forget anything and I was just starting to become confident with that and she just got used to the car seat as well because oh my gosh the first time I, I went out with her when she had a meltdown in the car seat and I was on the north circular it was awful. Your heart just sinks and you just feel sick. You can't do anything about it. She was in the back, facing the other way, absolutely screaming her head off. So it took me like a month just to figure out how to soothe her in a car seat. And it's like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to do all of this all over again. And yeah, just just kind of being stuck at home, which wasn't too bad because on maternity leave, that's what I was used to anyway. But it was just, it's the restrictions that just not being able to just pack a load of stuff up and just head out for the day or go on an adventure and see family. We'd had quite a lot of um, little trips planned this summer. We planned on doing a little bit of traveling with me having sort of, you know, eight, nine months off work. Um, but yeah, I'm back at work already and I feel like I've been robbed of, of half of my maternity leave, really. 
Yeah, I know. I've, I've actually spoken to a few of my friends who feel very, very similar in that respect. And I think it's an age as well for a little one where actually, although um, they're not sort of, you know, a year and a half where they'll understand the idea of staying away from someone and that you must sort of keep your distance, but equally, mm. they're, not, they're not getting that social interaction. And, and even mm. um, it was my 30th birthday recently and uh, <laughs> and Ottilie saw my, my parents from a distance and she also saw a friend of ours um, at the end of the garden who have a little uh, little boy as well. And even after that, she was so much more interactive and so much louder uh. and using her voice so much more just from that day of kind of being really, really social with other babies and other yeah. other people. And I completely agree with you. I think it's it's so sad in that respect because you plan these things. And of course, with a baby under a year old, like you say, going out is not that simple, is it? Mm. <laughs> you think it is, but the amount of stuff you have to take with you. And, and obviously, like you say, your parents aren't nearby. So going and seeing them in a day, it, it's just not possible, is it? Mm. Um, but I mean, you've been at home, obviously, with your with your partner. And, you know, ha- has that been kind of nice in that way, at least having that time together, you know, with your daughter? Yeah, it definitely has. And I, I'm surprised that we haven't killed each other yet. I mean, it's, <laughs> we were supposed to be getting married this summer as well, which is not which is oh, another. Hayley, I'm so I sorry. know next month. So that's just totally rubbish. Um so we're getting married next summer instead. We've put this off three times now. And we, we, ne- yeah, this summer would have been the third time lucky. First, it was um, circumstance. We were trying for a baby. We decided to use the money for IVF instead of a big wedding. Then we didn't need to have IVF because I fell pregnant. Then we planned the wedding um, and realized, no, it wouldn't be realistic to get married in the summer just so soon after having a baby. So then we rearranged it for this summer and now we've cancelled it this summer, rearranged it for June next year. And then they announced the Euros were cancelled this summer and they were going to take place in June. So we've changed it now to August. So (laughs) I almost feel like we're just not supposed to get married, but we're still (laughs) together after lockdown, which is... That means you're definitely meant to get married. In itself, (laughs) yes. But yeah, it's been lovely and we've just been... Everything's just happened at a really slow pace. We've just been chilling out with her, taking a lot of time to do really small, what might seem meaningless things, just sitting with her on a mat and just having time to just stack up toys and knock them down. And normally you'd be running around and doing housework, getting ready to go out, getting ready to see friends, preparing for people to come to the house, having to tidy up and make everything look nice. Whereas we just haven't cared. We've just sort of lived. Um, And it doesn't matter if the house is a mess because nobody's coming to see it. It doesn't matter if I don't get dressed. I'm not saying until midday. I'm talking like if we don't get dressed all day and she's still in her pajamas. Um, We just don't care. So that's that's been lovely. Do you know what? It's really nice, actually. It's really refreshing to hear someone talk like that. I think about the past sort of few months um, because there is this sense of everyone saying, you know, that they felt like they had to take up a new hobby or learn a new language or, you know, sort of become successful in something God, new no. and fulfill. <laughs> yeah. And I think actually it's really lovely to say that, you know, just to just be and especially, you know, if you do have um, a new a new child in that sense and you're kind of a family unit, just enjoying that time together is, is so special. And, you know, 
know, you don't get that time again. So it's really lovely, I think, to to spend your lockdown in that way. It's really, really nice. Um, Has it been, I must, you know, I have to ask as well for you, obviously, being in the sport world and being such a prominent figure. And of course, actually, we should mention you have your own podcast, The Offside Rule, which is an award winning podcast. Um, And, you know, it's, I mean, it, Has it been weird not having football in your life at the moment? I mean, I was really looking forward to the Euros. I wasn't due to be back at Sky to work on the Euros, but I had a few other things lined up, sort of corporate jobs where you actually get to go to um, an event or a big dinner where they play kind of the, the game on the big screen. So I was really looking forward to just having a few little evenings away. I quite often take a friend with me or my best friend's a makeup artist. So sometimes I have her come with me, which is lovely and have a bit of a social evening whilst getting paid to host an event. And I love hosting because most of the time I'm, I'm actually stuck in a studio. I don't go around the grounds with Sky unless I'm doing the Scottish football. So I was really looking forward to kind of having a match, a match day experience, but also kind of working on it. And that was going to be a nice way of kind of easing my way back into being sort of, um, well, a different way of thinking and a different way of using my brain before I then ventured back to Sky. I was expecting to see the end of the Premier League season. I'm not a Liverpool fan. I'm a Man United fan, but I was fully (laughs) expecting to see them win the title and have all my friends out going absolutely wild, partying in the streets of of Liverpool and friends were organising sort of big barbecues and things down here and celebratory evenings and you know I had I was actually supposed to be going to the Merseyside Derby as well which would have happened months and months ago um, because I have never been to Goodison weirdly enough it's the one stadium I've never been to Um, so yeah and it's been weird thinking oh well we've got lockdown fine at least we've got stuff to watch on TV but we've run out of Netflix I really miss watching live sports my other half is not a football fan though so that's really weird yeah so it's a big fight to try and watch football at first (laughs) I thought it was a really great thing not to have met someone involved in either my industry or somebody that was into football because you could I can just completely cut off from it but sometimes I find that I want to be immersed and emerged in it and he doesn't allow me because he's just not interested. Yeah, I, I introduced him to Wayne Rooney once and I think he just thought he was um, one of the staff members at Manchester United. He had absolutely <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Amazing. Classic. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, I think also, you know, it's with with sport, with live sport, you just, you can't beat it. I mean, whether you're, yeah. you know, the coverage is so incredible now on TV, but even just being in a, there in the stadium, I know in terms of my job, I've been lucky enough to perform at lots of sporting events and there is just no atmosphere like live sport, you know, regardless of, of which team you support, actually, sometimes it's, it's just that camaraderie between friends or it's that competitive nature between friends who support different teams. And, you know, I, I personally, I love that. I live for that and and it you know I love that it connects sport and music you know come together a lot Mm. in that way as well um but we should yeah we should talk about music of course Mm -hmm. this is what the podcast is about um so what I know it's kind of quite a broad question but I like to Mm. ask my guests what for you do you feel like has been your kind of relationship with music through your life like has it always been really important do you feel or has it been something that's sort of come and gone yeah, it's definitely something that has changed. I've never just been like um, an indie fan who's always just only listened to indie music or classical or pop or whatever. My my music taste has definitely changed over the years. I have a few songs, as we'll probably chat about, that have been constant in my life. Um, but it's been location for me that has given me my kind of different 
music taste and loves obviously being born in Manchester um, and living there for a while. The kind of music scene from Manchester um, was something I was very much, you know, involved in. My, my ex-boyfriend was in a band. He's a, he was a really talented um, musician. Um, and he kind of opened my eyes well, and ears to different sounds and different kind of music. Um, it depends what mood I'm in, where I'm working. If I travel away on holiday, I listen to very, very different music to the type of music I listen to in the car. Every night when I give my little one a bath, I put classical FM on. It doesn't really matter what's on or who's presenting it. I just like that kind of chilled out sort of um, feeling. I love it when kind of the music from the movies um, is on and you hear the kind of um, big band stuff. Um, so, yeah, my relationship has definitely changed. And it depends whether you're in love or whether you're single, depending on the kind of songs you want to listen to or songs you don't want to listen to as yeah. well. Yeah, definitely. That's a really, really good point. Actually, it depends what's what's happening in your life, doesn't it? And, mm -hmm. you know, that for me is kind of partly why I wanted to start this podcast and talk to people, because it's amazing how these moments in your life connect to a single piece of music. And it can mm -hmm. be a really, really strong way of, of keeping that memory alive and, and taking yourself you know in your mind back to that moment and I just I love how music has the ability to do that and it could be just like you say a, a genre of music that you aren't particularly passionate about or don't even know you know you couldn't break it down and tell someone what it what it's about technically but it just is a feeling it's an emotion yeah and it can be really powerful um and actually, I have to say, your first choice, which is a song that reminds you of good times, honestly, it gives me goosebumps every time I listen to this piece of music. And I think it's such a wonderful choice um, to, to pick as this song for you. I mean, tell me, tell me more about why Over the Rainbow is, is so important and reminds you of good times. Yeah, well, it's been a song that I remember listening to as a child as a kind of happy song, a lullaby. Um, I had no idea it was from The Wizard of Oz. I wouldn't have known who Judy Garland was. And obviously I got a little bit older and I'd watched the original Wizard of Oz and kind of realised, oh, that's where that's from. But it's taken on a whole different meaning as I've got older. Um, so I had a playlist for um, Ayla being born. I was originally planning on a nice hit no easy birth um, in a room with lots of music and candles. It didn't happen. I had a cesarean section, but I still decided to have um, a playlist. And the morning we drove to the hospital and we were up, got ready really early. There was a lovely pink sun in the sky. And I said to my other half, I said, oh, let's not just save the music for being in theatre. Let's just listen to it now. So we listened to it in the car driving to the hospital. We had um, Hans Zimmer and um, I love um, movie soundtracks. So I had, I had that on. And then Over the Rainbow was the next one that played. And he just started crying. He just completely lost it oh. as we'd, we pulled up to the, to the hospital and had to just have a bit of a moment. And we just had it on a bit of a shuffle with sort of five or six songs that we really loved. You know, we're not going to be in theatre for that long. So I couldn't have my 20, 30 songs that I'd planned on for a very long labour. I think there was even more. And it was over the rainbow that she came out to. And it was just lovely. We just had it playing really quietly in the background. Oh, um, so the, the, amazing. I mean, the lyrics are very simple and it just reminds me of being in nature, kind of appreciating every day. Um, and there's a line in it which... I'd never really thought about. And, and now, of course, it makes it even more special. It's, you know, to hear babies cry and I'd watch them grow, they'll learn much more than we'll know. And I think to myself, 
what a wonderful world. And the babies cry. And of course, she came out and she cried, but I hadn't planned that. It was just a song that I liked. And I love the voice of Israel um, Kamakawai as well. He's just got the most enchanting voice. I heard this version on the radio years ago and was like, who is this? And did the whole, you know, um, shazamming it and finding this, finding this amazing voice. Yeah. And yeah, it was just really special. Then, of course, we had the, the horrific bombings in Manchester and there, were, there was the big One Love concert as well. And I got goosebumps when there was a big celebrity sing-along and Ariana Grande took to the stage for that kind of solo encore and sang a very emotional version of Over the Rainbow. And I just think it was, you know, it was a perfect song for the moment. Everybody would have known it. Um, there were a lot of young children who were, of course, killed at that, that you know, pop concert. Um and yeah, it was just kind of a moment in front of all those fans. It reduced everyone to tears and Ariana as well. Um, yeah, and I just think, again, it's it's been a song that has been played at kind of very emotional moments in my life. I'd, I'd done a bit of research on it as well. I had no idea that NASA used it to wake up astronauts when they were in space. Did they? The I didn't so, know that. That's the so, yeah, I know. So that's quite cool. Um, so that that's was one of the, cool. yeah. And I don't know why, but that's that's apparently one of the reasons. And as well, do you remember the Sandy Hook Elementary School um, um, tragedy as well? Yes, yeah. Um, well, that was that was sung and recorded by a choir of, of of some of the children at Sandy Hook in 2012 in a kind of a, a healing moment after that mass shooting. So whilst I'm obviously talking about two really tragic um, moments with the Ariana Grande concert and Sandy Hook, it just shows you that this, this is a song that's kind of used for kind of hope um, and a symbol of celebration as well, of course, with the NHS and care workers this summer as well. So there are just so many meanings to a very, very simple song. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was literally, I was going to mention the uh, the Manchester One concert with Ariana Grande, obviously, mm -hmm. yeah, leading that song. And I think you're completely right. It is a universal song, isn't it? It can reach young and old. And I think it's got this strange um, juxtaposition between optimism and mm. also this kind of slight melancholy feel, especially the version that you've chosen. Um, let's have a listen to a little bit of it and then we can chat some more. So this yeah. is Over the Rainbow and it's performed by Israel Kamakavivole. <laughs> beautiful his voice is just oh my goodness absolutely stunning it's enchanting isn't it yeah yeah and I think you know for, th for those of you who don't know who uh, Israel is he that was recorded in 1988 and since then it's sold over five million records which is just incredible he was known as mm. or became known as like the voice of Hawaii he talked mm. about human rights um he was a bit of an activist in that sense and um he passed away actually such a young age at 38 and 10,000 people attended his funeral so it just shows you know and if you think about Hawaii not being too big a place having 10,000 people mm. attend a funeral is just I mean he was yeah he was a, such an iconic voice such a wonderful wonderful human and I think that comes across in his music in the way he sings and you've got so basically you've got there you've just got voice and you've just got a ukulele and I think 
I mean, this is this isn't fact at all, but I feel like I don't know if you agree. The ukulele is what gives it that optimism. It's like it's it's so between mm. the guitar and a ukulele. A ukulele is like a lighter sound. It's much sort of yes. springier, and the the so it's a smaller instrument, and that's why it sounds quite bright. And I think that's what gives it this kind of weird double-edged sword kind of vibe with mm. the piece of music. And it, it, you know, and also we should say that this version as well. There's no effects. You know, there's no heavy production. There's no sort of uh, Justin Bieber reverb there's no heavy mm-hmm. beats or anything it's just such a perfect song and honestly what a wonderful choice for your first song thanks yeah ex- that's exactly it it's just stripped back it's simple and again almost like the ukulele it's like it's the kind of instrument you associate with kind of childhood isn't it it's kind of one of those yeah. things you look at and think oh what's this what sound does this make and it's just yes yeah, it's, it's so simple but his voice is just so enchanting um yeah it's just beautiful I love it yeah. I agree. Um, okay, so let's move on to your next piece of music. So this is a gym and a hype song. This is totally different. Um, so we've gone, <laughs> we've gone from Summer of the Rainbow to mm-hmm. a piece by Nirvana, Smells Like Teen mm-hmm. Spirit. So tell me a bit about this choice and, and why this song for you, for your gym hype song. Oh my gosh, I love listening to Nirvana in the gym. I don't know why. Um, I'm sure there are more kind of upbeat pop songs, but there's just something about putting on um, Nirvana that just gets me going. I listen to it in the car as well, if I'm kind of on the country roads and feeling a bit more kind of free. But um, it reminds me of the 90s, which were fast paced and fun and going out. Um, I was totally in love with Kurt Cobain. He was like my first sort of pinup and it it takes me back to the time when my bedroom wall was completely covered with kind of torn out posters from magazines and yeah pinups from you remember like home and away and neighbors and yeah. it was like joey <laughs> from blossom as well um but i had a bit of a when i was listening to nirvana when i was a lot younger and again this has been one of the bands that i've listened to constantly in my life um it was when I was a teenager. I discovered them. I kind of discovered them maybe mid nineties. I know. I think this song came out like very early nineties. Um, I wasn't into take that. I wasn't into a lot of the the kind of boy bands. I wasn't one of the most popular kids in school. I wasn't very cool. I moved around an awful lot. I moved from Scotland to England at fifteen years old, and I joined an all girls school. I felt very much like a bit of an outsider. Mm. No one was really kind of into the music I was into, and I just used to lock myself in my bedroom with my sister, and we both just used to listen to Nirvana and we just thought it was we thought we were so cool because we were listening to this music that nobody else was really all that bothered about and it and it stayed with me and it just kind of um yeah it just gets me going we used to sounds really naff because I was probably quite old then we would just literally have oversized t-shirts on uh I think we used to use those um it was like a mascara with color in it we used to sort of you know, drag it through our hair to give ourselves like purple yes. streaks that would wash out. Oh my goodness. And yes, just that's yeah. back memories. <laughs> yeah. And and spray on like jubilee from the body shop um over our sweaty little teenage bodies. And we just jump up and down and we just headbang. We just well, th- yeah. throw our hair. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's that yeah. I, that's just what I remember. And that's kind of the vision I have in my mind when I listen to this song and that's why it gets me going in the gym. I love that. And I was going to say it was kind of that um, they were the band that made headbanging just really, really cool. And obviously, mm. if you were a young teenage girl that, you know, you probably liked to have quite long hair and it was just that was the thing you did. And, you know, I yeah. think it also that kind of music as well gave 
anyone who listened to it really a sense of freedom I imagine as well because you mentioning obviously that you moved when you were 15 15 for a girl like as a teenager that's a that's a big age to be moving and and coming into a new environment and everything changing in your life and that's where also I think music can really help and can become this sort of place of solitude no matter what type of music it is um but I agree with you actually talking about that yeah that hair mascara stuff and like Mm. hairspray oh my goodness all the memories coming back um and you're right it was released yeah 1991's early 90s it was a single from their second album Nevermind which obviously just became iconic in itself um but let's let's have a listen to it and then I'd love to hear some more about about that yeah Mm. that hair (laughs) colour And do you, so what do you think it is about that song in particular for you that allowed you to kind of just, I presume, sort of forget about everything? And, you know, that's what helps you maybe zone out when you're in the gym now Mm. as well. I think it's just, I think it was just back then a lot of like heavy shouting. And I was like, this is okay. We can just scream our heads off. Obviously, a hormonal teenager going through an awful lot at the time and just kind of letting everything out and just seeing a band. They weren't kind of restrained. They weren't just there with their musical instruments, just, you know, playing a, a merry little song and having a sort of coordinated dance routine. It was very much like yeah, headbanging, just letting yourself go, shouting the words out, not even kind of really understanding the meaning of the song or whether it even had a meaning. It was just the sound and the kind of, yeah, it's just all about that kind of teenage angst and just getting everything out of your system. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's that kind of, I guess it's also a way that you can feel quite rebellious through the music, yeah, isn't it? And you can it. kind of yeah. imagine you're, you're not someone else, but like you say, you know, you can kind of just be totally out of your shell and the music is that kind of um it's that persona for you so it allows you to just encapsulate everything and I, like you say you know I think also when I probably listened to this music I wasn't aware of you know exactly what the, the lyrics were specifically or, or the meaning behind it all but I think what's really um it's very effective in this song is that it goes from that kind of really iconic electric guitar melody at the start and just a voice with like this kind of teenage like you say teenage angst it's like a lazy style of singing and then the chorus is really really intense and loud with like strummed Mm. chords so it goes from one extreme to the next and I think that's why the chorus as well just it makes you want to move in a different way um, but I think, yeah, it's so, so interesting. So you and your sister would, so you'd have this on sort of on a boombox style thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And it was back in the day as well where you'd have your, um, we'd have, I think we had it on tape and we'd have a tape player. And like a lot of kids growing up in my era, I'm a lot older than you, we'd record stuff off the radio and we'd stop it and rewind it and pause it. And then we'd wait for a song to come on. We'd kind of wait for the charts at the weekend and, and count down, you know, from, the top 10 and we get down to number one and we'd record it and then we'd listen to that all week but then we'd had a we'd ha- we have a separate tape as well for just her and I um I mean god there was some very uncool stuff that we used to listen to a lot of our music kind of came from my parents so 
I mean, my dad was into the Rolling Stones and like the Bay City Rollers. And then my mom was loving the Beach Boys and like Cat Stevens. And there was a lot of Phil Collins going on. So we did have a bit of that. And then just in the middle of all of that, you just have this Nirvana track, which kind of just didn't sit, you know, properly with everything else. Um, and it would just get us get us up. We'd just kind of jump up um, off the couch or off our beds or wherever it may have been. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I remember living at the time. And it was it was a very special tape. And I think we'd tipexed and written over it so many different times. Um, and I, I, you know, I think I remember the actual full, I think I remember a lot of the Nirvana stuff got stuck in the machine once. We had this like for those listening who have no idea what this is, you'd have the black tape and it would it all threaded out. We were like, yeah. how on earth are we how on earth are we gonna get hold of like more of this? We didn't realise you could just go to like a record store or a shop and actually just go and buy it. And the, there was a point when we of course did do that and CDs were coming out and stuff, but it was before even that. So you'd kind of have these tapes that were very precious and they would be displayed on your like bedside table. We had a little dressing table. We shared a room. Um, and we had like a line down the middle of the room, um, as you do with masking tape where one of, one of us was slightly tidier than the other, but we'd always share our music and that would be kind of all laid out in these little tape boxes with this scruffy little handwriting on it. So yeah, that was that. Such a lovely, lovely memory to have as well with your sister. Like that's so gorgeous to hear as well. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Baffled, a brand new podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. Imagine the likes that that would get on Instagram, you having a quick one up a lamppost on the moon. Incredible. You basically (laughs) saying the reason the dinosaurs stopped living is because they all collectively made a decision to have no more children. I think until 10 years ago, I I still shared the bathwater that my parents were in. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search for Baffled Amazing Facts.
Okay, so this next song, in fact, you you know mentioned already talking about your childhood. So this is you've chosen a song from your childhood. Um, this is a song by the Stone Roses. It's called "I Am the Resurrection." Tell me, you know, you were obviously born in Manchester, as you mentioned as well. Tell me about this song and and you know the memories and sort of the emotions that it brings up for you. Yeah. So this is a song I remember my dad um, playing. My dad was really into the Stone Roses. Um, he, he's been out with Manny a few times and I love the Inspiral Carpets. I love Ian Brown. I love the Smiths. I, lo- I loved a kind of lot of Indian indie rock music um, when I was growing up. Obviously, I left Manchester when I was six. We, we moved to Hong Kong for, for a little while. So um, I wasn't in England for, for a few years. I certainly wasn't listening to the Stone Roses um, when when I lived in Manchester the first time around, but I did when I returned. Um, I worked at Manchester United Football Club and um, I worked for MUTV and of course um, Stone Roses are played as the team kind of head out onto the pitch. So again, it's kind of a sports song. Um, I've always li- I've always watched football. I've always gone to football games. This is one that I would also listen to um, when I was heading to football. So there's that as well. Um, but this song... I think this was one of the songs that when I very first went out with the guy was something that he was listening to. So it was like a a song from my first relationship. And weirdly enough, the few relationships I had after that, I mean, there were quite a few, but the the couple of guys that I did go out with all loved Stone Roses as well. So it kind of helped that they were into the same sort of music. Um, But this was, the reason I picked this was because it was the first time I'd ever really listened to a track where... There was just instrumental. Um, yeah. There was just a lot of, the end was just instrumental. That's what I'm trying to say. There's, I didn't realize there was actually four minutes of an instrumental outro. I just thought it was so unique, so weird. I remember listening, thinking, is this right? Is this supposed to be happening? Have I, <laughs> like, uh, are they supposed to be doing something over this and being a little bit confused? But the Stone Roses just takes me back to Manchester. And Manchester is somewhere that I love. It's somewhere where I grew up. Um Obviously, this this came out in the late 80s when I was just um, a, a really, really young kid. Um, but it just takes me back as well, not just to the time I worked at Manchester United, but when I very first started going out, the first sort of club I went to um, was in Manchester, a little underground club. And I was kind of, yeah, I was just kind of ex- exploring, experimenting. I was probably going out a little bit underage as well um, and just enjoying the Manchester music scene and it was this kind of music that I would I would really like listening to when I'd be on my kind of little nights out with my friends and still the same music I would listen to when I had friends to come over and stay at my flat when I was living in Manchester as as an adult so it's it's just been a the Stone Roses as a band have always been there with me um but this song in particular I think it's just because it is my favorite of of all of theirs and it's just it's quite haunting as well um, I remember when I was younger trying to convince my parents it was okay to listen to because it was a bit religious and you know all of that and my dad just sort of laughed and it's like don't be don't be silly but he was fine with us listening to the Stone Roses because because he loved it too I was so I guess say, it, yeah being from probably, Manchester there's no yeah, problem with that <laughs> it probably came from 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 his love of that kind of music that that was passed on to me I guess more than anything yeah absolutely let's have a listen and we can talk some more about it so this is I Am The Resurrection by the Stone Roses
love it. I miss I miss listening to that music on the radio, I must say, as well. Yeah. Unless um, you listen to kind of Radio X, it doesn't really appear, yeah. appear anywhere, does it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's worth mentioning because you've, you've said as well about this this song in particular, but also about that kind of time in your life that it, it made you on those nights out, like it was kind of iconic, that sound for you. And actually, of course, um, the Stone Roses, uh, the Charlatans, James, you know, all those mm. kind of bands were part of that mad Chester movement in the late 1980s as well. And I think I even, you know, um, when I've gone and performed at the uh, Super League Grand Final as well, Old Trafford, like uh, James have performed. And honestly, the crowd, it is, it's madness. It's amazing. There's this just sense of community and, and I, it's just, it's amazing to listen to. And I think also that kind of music as well, just, I hope it never goes out of fashion. I hope people keep listening to it because, you know, like you say as well, unusually that particular track you've chosen is over eight minutes long. And, and actually yeah. the band were playing for the love of the music. They were in it and they were just loving it. And, and that doesn't happen. I don't think that much anymore, sadly. And it's mm. great when artists create albums, you know, that are, that are artistic in in themselves but also incredibly musical and so for you being someone who you know you're not a musician but you totally appreciated what was going on there and the fact that it was like oh, what is this massive guitar solo going on but I love it you know I don't know what it is but I love it yeah um, and there's there's a good story about this as well I remember I remembered this from years ago and just did a little bit of research again heading into this so um the earliest surviving rec- kind of recording of this actually came out in, in 1988, a year before the album came out. And the Stone Rose, as you mentioned, James there, appeared with um, fellow Mancunian James. Um, they were performing at a benefit at Manchester International Venue to protest against the government's law, which was banning promotion of homosexuality in schools. So they wanted to put a ban on promoting that. So they decided to have this kind of um, musical get together and a version of I Am The Resurrection was played that night. Um, wow, I didn't know that, that's amazing. At that length, yeah. And there you go, who was in the crowd? both Noel and Liam Gallagher. No and way. Noel, Noel met the Inspiral Carpets guitarist, Graham Lambert, which led to him getting a job as the band's roadie. And Liam had claimed as well that seeing Ian Brown perform had completely changed his life. And he uh, found a little quote saying, you know, if I hadn't gone that night, I'd probably be sitting in some pub in Levenshume still. So that song, that night, in that moment led to more musical greatness so again that's another reason why I love it because it it has that behind it as well definitely I mean it brings a whole crazy well to I am the resurrection and you know the lyrics from that I know Um, that's amazing how cool and and so lovely as well that you know when you're I think there's that special connection you have with your hometown no matter where you're from and and it's wonderful actually for you that there's so much iconic music you know from from Manchester it's just yeah I love that it's such a good choice um thank you for for sharing all of that as well it's really lovely to hear um okay so this is your last choice we've got two songs for this one I'm sure we can briefly chat about both and um, this is the question was a song you know what's a song that's always been with you so we've got mm. um I'll be missing you Puff Daddy and then we've got the Fuji's yeah. killing me softly so tell me I about I couldn't pick between the two I know <laughs> I was like which one because um I just love both of them and when I'm having a sort of a bit of an emotional moment or want to really think about something or I want to just a bit of moment of calm or quiet I play this and um 
yeah, the, the, the Puff Daddy one came out. It was actually the year that my grand died. And it was it was the first person that was close to me that had that had died. I didn't know what it was to feel heartbreak like that. Um, I was listening to a, a bit of R&B at the time. I loved Aaliyah. I was listening to Snoop Dogg as well. Um, I think that was kind of more of my sister's influence. I absolutely loved Lauren Hill. I just thought she was the coolest person in the world. Um and I was just sort of starting to kind of explore and understand rap music. Um, I never sort of tried to rap along to anything. That would have just been a bit of a disaster. Um, but I remember just waiting to see all this kind of amazing music from America um, and listen to it over in England and just long to be in an American high school. I remember desperately waiting to see the music videos on MTV as well, you know, and um I think that song, the Puff Daddy song, is a song that I've played that kind of reminds me of just how precious life is, uh, whether it be someone passing away or um, the end of a relationship, when I've split up with boyfriends, when I've moved cities, which is a kind of a breakup in, in, a, in, that, you know, in a different kind of way. It's one of the few songs I've played and just really listened to the lyrics. Um, it is quite sad. It's moving. Um, but it's also, yeah, it's... It, it just takes me back to that kind of mid nineties again. Um, so that's, yeah, the Puff Daddy uh, one and, and Killing Me Softly. It's just, it, that is one of my favorite songs of all time, all really? time, all time. I, was, I just love also, it. Do you know what's interesting about both of these? Um, the fact that you've chosen both of these and this, I think this happens a lot with rap music as well, because you get these kind of really nice female melodic vocals over the top, over a beat with rap and, when these songs came along, just like you've mentioned, you know, that kind of American culture was taking over and we were kind of lapping up all of this amazing music in a structure that we'd never really heard before. Um, but both of these songs are, um, you know, in in the kind of copyright fighting zone. So, of course, mm. I'll Be Missing You is a sample um, of Every every Breath You Take by the police. So there was basically yes. Sting. Sting now, I think he earns, you know, kind of $2,000 a day from royalties or something still. Um, and it was the same kind of the same issue as well with uh, the lyrics in, in this sense for the Killing Me Softly. So I think mm. it happens a lot in rap music because so much music even now is sampled. Um, mm. But I think it's also what makes these kind of tracks very... It, it sits them in a genre of music that is very different and it is very niche. You know, you think about the Stone Roses compared to this, it's so different. Yes. But I think it makes the lyrics of, you know, the I'll be missing, it sticks out. And so emotionally, just like you said, if it's attached to a moment in life, it's like, wow, it, it almost hits home more. I don't know if you felt that or whether that makes sense. But I think they're both weirdly um, very similar in terms of the the kind of structure of the song as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And and a little bit rebellious as well there. And again, you mentioned Lauren Hill, and I'd, I'd said I was listening to Aaliyah at the time, to have strong female voices. There weren't that many back then. There are so many now. It's it's great. But to have kind of um, Lauren Hill, you know, a lead vocalist with such a powerful, strong, unique voice. And there weren't many voices like that then either. Um, yeah, so I just think for, for me, she was quite special. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of in contrast to like the other kind of music I was listening to Nirvana and the Stone Roses. Um, but there was kind of another side of me that just wanted to listen to something completely different, um, and understand different music and different melodies. And 
I guess these songs are more about the lyrics to me. Um, and I would kind of sing along and I used to scribble little bits of the lyrics down and, um, yeah, splitting up with boyfriends and going through kind of emotional times as well. These were the songs where I'd really get deep into thought about what was actually being said as opposed to just kind of listening to the melody more than anything. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's let's have a listen um, of Puff Daddy, I'll Be Missing You. us while we pray for you every day we pray for you till the day we meet again in my heart is where i keep a friend memories give me the strength i need to proceed strength i need to believe yeah and i i don't know if you think this Haley, but with with music like that as well you can hear exactly what they're saying like it's sort of no you know there's no fuss around the lyrics are there they're just basically they are what they are and so i think mm. also definitely um i can remember as well listening to it when i was younger you could understand there wasn't any kind of poetic license was there it was just straight up you know this is this is what i'm talking about here and it's kind of quite raw emotion yeah no exactly yeah it, it, exactly it's it, it says what it is when you take you, you strip everything back and you write it down and it it, it the words could be read at a funeral or at a, a gathering or could be written in a letter to an ex-boyfriend. Um, you know what I mean? Just to, to kind of tell them what you're feeling about them. Um, but yeah, it's just when you, when you kind of strip back the music, you strip back the voice, you strip and, and you just look at the kind of words, it says exactly what it is. And I, I remember at the time listening to it and just thinking about um, obviously my, my gran and, and other people that I'd then gone on to lose in life, even like pets and things as well, which sounds a bit silly. I don't think I'd really understood the magnitude of um, a kind of notorious B.I.G. being killed um, mm. and all that was going on in the kind of world in America. I didn't really know about the East Coast, West Coast rivalry. I didn't really know about gangs and things like that. It was just, I just liked the song. It sounded good. I loved singing along to it. I thought Puff Daddy was cool. I loved all the voices. It's, it's kind of as you grow up, you sort of realise, ah, okay, this was going on and that's what it meant. And even now kind of watching a lot of the documentaries on on Netflix, as I've, I, as I've done about that era, kind of really understanding that the, the grittiness of that industry um and kind of the rival record labels as well i mean it is it's 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 very strong but i was very naive to it back then it was just it was just a song that i liked yeah. but i suppose you know no one's to blame for that either because you you're kind of handed you know on the radio a beautiful song to listen to and you don't often know the stories or you know the journey behind it and and like you say you know there was incredible very real things that were happening there and it's almost like it felt so i think when you do read about that time it it feels so kind of um unbelievable uh, yeah. that you, you kind of shield yourself from it I guess in a way and, and sort of a little bit of naivety as well I suppose you know talking personally I would sort of not even be aware of that and like you say when you get a bit older you sort of have that responsibility and interest to read up into how something's become iconic or, or why it still has stayed with you as a song um, 
and I think, you know, again, like you've talked about with having that strong female vocalist as well, I think that's always been a big part of why these songs have been uh, iconic. And and you've chosen, you know, this, the Fuji's Killing Me Softly. Like it's another, just as you've mentioned, iconic female voice taking the lead. And um, I don't think you can beat that structure. I don't think it will ever go out of fashion as it were either. No, exactly. And, and, and what I love about here is when we were talking about lyrics, a lot of this, particularly this kind of um, music, was very autobiographical, if you know what I mean. It was not just, oh, making up a log song for the sake of it. You were like, ah, oh, this has definitely happened to her. This has definitely happened to them. This is about something, about somebody, about someone. You really sort of believed it and you were like, gosh, if she can go through this and she's missing somebody and she's gone through heartbreak, makes me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting because initially um, they thought about changing the lyrics of this song to make it sort of more of the time, uh, more anti-drugs, anti-poverty. Um, and then the songwriters refused because just as you say, you know, it's case in point that the lyrics were so real that you didn't need to do that. And I think it's it's important at those times during kind of um, the musical timeline, if you like, that people kind of make those decisions and stay stay true to themselves. And now it's this song for you, you know, and for so many other people that is still iconic today. Um, let's have a listen to a little bit of it. So this is Killing Me Softly by the Fugees. What a voice, eh? I know, I know. <laughs> and again, just the dun dun I just find myself kind of just nodding along, you know, like yeah. the little dogs that sit in the car that kind of wag, or the you British go to a chi- dog yeah, along. yeah, or in a Chinese shop with a little cat that kind of bobs back and forth. That's just that's how I am when this when this song comes on. Um, yeah, just loving the beat as well. Just very kind of softly, but soft but strong. If that kind of makes sense just kind of yeah I just love definitely. it yeah no I, I I agree absolutely and I think yeah they're they're just such great song choices um that you've chosen today thank you so much for sharing so many lovely stories and yeah it's been really lovely to listen to listen to more about your you know the music and and what music has uh what role music has played in your life as well. So thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, I was going to pick some cooler stuff and I was like, let's just think of some more cool songs that I could listen to and people think, oh, she's got really great taste in music. But I was like, no, it genuinely has to come from the heart. And I was like, I don't care if somebody thinks the Stone Roses is not really a cool thing to have listened to or that I wasn't around in the 80s to have listened to it and kind of picked up on it a little bit later but um yeah they all definitely mean something through different stages of of life and as you touched on before you hear a song and it instantly takes you back I could tell you the exact moment of like say 1997 sitting in a car in a Ford Escort with a boy just it just takes you straight back to like a, a moment in time of my life um yeah and it's so, it li- so important to hold on to those memories as well. And yeah. and also that's, you know, that's something that you can now 
you know, you can play this music to your daughter in time as well and tell her about those memories. So I think that's the thing with all genres of music. It, they never, it never goes out of fashion. Of course, there's things that become popular, you know, today and won't be popular tomorrow. And we live in a world where things, you know, go out of fashion as quick as they come into fashion mm. now, don't we? So I think actually, you know, a lot of people I know that are younger, you know, than so they're sort of early teens now actually can get quite envious of the fact that there was such iconic music in certain eras of, you know, say when you were growing up and when I was growing up, there were, you know, mm. they're really clear cut mm. identities to bands and to music. And that, I think that's actually cool in itself. So, um, but I, so this is where I make a, a suggestion for oh, you before, yeah. before yeah. we go. Um, so it was really hard because just as you've mentioned, you know, these songs that you've chosen are so iconic. They're all very different in their own ways. And I wasn't sure. And similarly, I kind of went through a lot of music. I was like, oh, is that cool? Is this cool? Um, so I decided to go for a, a, what I think is a beautiful male vocalist, um, what I think is a beautifully crafted song. And maybe it is a song that you might have well heard before, but I just think the guitar and the voice together brings in elements of your other choices, um, but hopefully is done in a bit more of a modern way. So this is kind of the folk indie genre. Um, so I hope it's something that you'll like, but it's a Ben Howard track called I Forget Where We Were. And it was released in 2014 on his second album. So we'll have a little listen to it now, but you have to promise me you'll listen to the whole thing as well. Okay, <laughs> okay. here we go. Hey, I was listening, I was stunned by I forget where we were. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I I do know who he is, so that's good. But um, he has, I mean, he's just got a beautiful voice, hasn't he? And again, that's quite, it's just, it's melodic. It's lovely. It's a kind of, he's the kind of guy you would desperately want to see live in concert. And you know that you would have kind of the, the hair standing up on your arms as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we hopefully when there are, concerts and you know kind of gigs that are back on it's something maybe mm. you can you can go and see and experience his voice live and you know have that memory as a new memory as well going into going into the future and um, there are there are lots of interpretations about what the lyrics mean and also okay. the, the music video as well but I think I'll let you interpret them how yeah. you want because often that can sway someone's opinion of music as well but it, hopefully it's a song that is yeah something that will stay in your life and and I'm just really grateful for the story that you shared and and the music that you shared too it's been so lovely thank you so so much no thank you for having me it's been great to have a little chat thank you <laughs> thanks Haley. thanks to you too for listening and don't forget to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode we have some amazing guests lined up so you'll definitely want to come back next week if you've enjoyed the podcast why not tell a friend and drop us a review have a great week and we'll see you next time the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.